the first thing to do is to pull apart what does stress actually look like, you know, because some people listening are like, you know, I'm not that stressed. I've got, you know, a little bit of work stress, but the rest of my life is pretty smooth. But what I point people to is this concept called an overall stress load. And if you want to kind of look at this in a visual sense, picture a human head and the top is lifted open and then in comes all these different sources of stress. So that's going to be obviously work stress. That's going to come in there. That's what most people think about when they think about stress. And that's only a small fraction of it. Then in comes relationship stress. You know, so whether this is uh, managing things with a significant other, children, extended family relationships, work relationships, you know, whether you have employees, a boss, partners, customers, all of that is going in there as well. Then we've got crazy as it sounds, exercise stress. So lack of exercise can actually be a big stressor or too much exercise, which most people are not in that category, but there are some <laughs> patients I've worked with over the years where I had to kind of reel them back in, but that goes in there Probably as well. the very few, probably yes, the very few out there. Definitely, definitely. So then we've got just the, what would be known more so as like a spiritual stress. So what that can look like for people, and I'm a scientist, so when I say that, it's coming with an overarching kind of summary of what that looks like, and that's going to be a lack of sense of purpose, feeling kind of cut adrift, not connected to something. And many people kind of go through different phases in their life where they do feel those feelings, but you throw that in on top of that. And also an environmental stress. And this is one of the big ones that people overlook, because even if you feel like your life is on easy street, you don't live in the same world that your ancestors lived in. And the right. air that we breathe is different. The food that we're taking in, even if you're eating organic food, if you're getting it from a store, it's taken days to get to you and it's lost a lot of its nutritional value. So plus the water sources that we're commonly consuming, all of those things add to this kind of environmental stress load that's kind of humming in the background for a lot of human beings today. And then another component, and I can keep on going, but emotional stress, mental stress, mental anguish. And then one final one is that, and this is a big one, is the nutrition stress, you know, which kind of goes into the environmental stress, but that deserves its own category. So the food that we're eating instantly, and this is something that has really been my field of study for the last 10 plus years is nutrigenomics and looking at how every single molecule of food that you eat impacts your genetic expression for the better or the not so better, right? So every single bite of food that we eat is going to add to this nutrient stress load. So all of those things come together to create how you're experiencing stress in the world. And it depends on where you lie in that spectrum. So that's the first thing for people to really understand. All of these things, and I'm a big proponent of, we can have it all, but all of these things need to be addressed and they need to create a cohesive system. That's number one. Number two, if we look at the realm of what you've been talking about, this kind of driven personality, and we need that for sure. We're talking about we're the people who actually help to change society, to move things right. forward. We need that. However, there are certain laws of life and laws of the body and a certain balance of being able to progress and to push and to push and to push and also to withdraw. You know, there needs to be a kind of a sequence, just like if you look at a heart monitor, you know, things are going up and down, up and down. If we just go up all the time, you're going to die. If we just go down all the time, you're going to die faster. We're all going to die eventually. But so that's really important to understand is that we need to have strategic pushes and strategic withdrawals. We have to recharge our batteries. 
So, hey, let's back up for just a second. You mentioned a few minutes ago, sometimes we have to be in our head. Sometimes we have to be in our heart. Sometimes we have to be in our gut. We have to be grounded. I've heard that before, Mm -hmm. but to the listeners maybe who haven't, what exactly are you meaning by that? Yeah, no, great question. So in neuroscience, you'll find out that we actually have three brains. And I might have mentioned this in past episodes. We have our cranial brain, right? We have a heart brain and we have a gut brain. What I mean by that is that they're kind of their own operating systems that operate independently of one another. I don't know if I talked about this last time, but like the heart has 40,000 neurons in it, for instance, neuron dendrites or something like that. I forgot what it's called, but they're basically brain cells within the heart that can literally think, remember, you know, independently of the cranial brain. And so what's important is that a lot of times we live in our heads constantly. And so when we're, you know, needing to connect and engage with society, with people, with our relationships, sometimes we're in our head analyzing, judging, et cetera, and we're not in our hearts, let's say. And a lot of times there's some intuitive intelligence there. There's a lot of answers to the questions that we have, but we never tap into that. And now neuroscience and neurologists and scientists are actually studying a whole lot more of the heart these days. You know, the heart actually sends 90% more information to the brain than the brain does to the heart. A week before yesterday, I was on a weekly call that I do. Every Tuesday, I do a how can I serve you call. And it's an hour where people can just jump in and ask any questions. And, you know, me or anybody on the call might be able to help. So it's just a platform for me or anybody else to, you know, just something to help each other. And on that call, there was a woman who, you know, was a mother of three. She had her own business. You know, she was just working like crazy and she wanted to find balance in her life. And she was telling me, and it was awesome that she was vulnerable enough to say that, you know, she felt like her hormones and her emotions were just all off balance. And she wanted to know something that was maybe natural because she was taking everything. She's like, is there anything that I can do? Because she knows that I do kind of, you know, a lot of natural things as well. And so there's this thing called heart coherence, and there's different ways of doing it, heart lock-in, there's quick coherence. And so for the first-time listeners, there's this technique that you can do called quick coherence that gets you in a state of high performance, which is called heart coherence. It's a state of consciousness where your mind, body are connected, and more specifically, your mind, body, emotions are connected. And well, what does that mean? Well, why is that great? Well, when this is connected, because remember, we're always in our heads, when this is connected, you're connected. You feel at your best, you perform at your best, and there's actual systems within the body that are improved. Just to give you three really quick, the immune system is boosted. Your hormonal system is boosted, which is one of the reasons why I gave her this technique. You know, when you're in this state of consciousness, this state of high performance, once you enter into that, you no longer are producing stress hormones like uh, cortisol and adrenaline. You start to produce more vitality hormones like DHEA. And so, that you know, we actually have the power to heal ourselves. It's just people don't know how to do it yet. And they're starting to figure that out. And so when you give your body what it needs, it's going to do, you know, what it has the power to do. And so long story short, you know, the hormonal system was improved, the immune system, and, you know, your nervous system is improved. A lot of times we're in our fight or flight. And so when you're in there, you will go from a sympathetic fight or flight to a parasympathetic rest, relax, digest, connect. And so she was very excited. Of course, it's a simple technique, guys. And just like anything else, you need to build the muscle, right? You don't go to the gym for a week or a month and all of a sudden you have raging biceps or abs. You've got to put it in work. (laughs) You're like, oh yeah. Maybe maybe not you guys, but I I have experienced that. (laughs) You are right, man. You're looking pretty good, brother. So yeah, so really quick, the technique is two steps. Heart-focused breathing and activating a renewing emotion. What do I mean by that? Well, place your focus and attention in the area of your heart. You could even put your hand on there. You know, anything that we touch, we're aware, right? If you touch your hand right now, okay, your awareness is there. You know that you're, that's your hand. You touch your knee, your awareness is there. 
So you can even touch your heart, feel your heartbeat, breathe through that area. Just pretend like you're breathing through that area and do it for a couple reps. Just the most important part here is to breathe a little slower than normal and a little deeper than normal. Really just taking your time. Once you've done that, the second step again is to activate a renewing response. And that's thinking about a time when you were appreciative, compassionate, or happy. Some kind of renewing happy emotion. And here's the key. Can't just think about it. You got to feel it. Really go back. Really have that shift, that felt experience. And once you embody that, once you feel that, once you're there, your brainwaves have switched. You've entered into a state of high performance. You've entered into that heart coherence, which really builds your resilience, your inner battery that we have. If we take a step back on breathing is what I'm talking about. I want to dive into a little bit of breathing and how that works around not only working out and sleep and stress and all of those sort of things, but how you have found that to be beneficial as a health guy. I would love to know, and this may be tough to categorize because I'm sure there's many of them, but I'd love to know what are the non-negotiables for Sean Stevenson you try to live by, even in a crazy, hectic, busy day that you just go, hey, you know, I may not accomplish these seven days a week, but for the majority of the time, I'm going to make sure I'm striving within my schedule and how I design it to get these things done. Sure. A great example, you know, I just got back from this incredible speaking event in the Philippines uh, called Tropical Think Tank. And I can see what the non-negotiables are because these are things that I do, whether I'm literally on an international flight or in another country or I'm here at home. I'm doing these things consistently. Number one is the first thing I do when I wake up upon rising is I drink a liter of high quality structured water, no matter what. The best water I can get also when you're traveling. And this is such a huge thing for people. If we really get this, this is absolutely game changing. One of the most dehydrated times you can have experience is when you first wake up in the morning, but we don't realize it because our yeah, you hunger- You don't feel it. Right. Our hunger and thirst signals are regulated by the same gland, the hypothalamus gland in your brain. So a lot of times people get up in the morning and they'll just have some coffee or they'll eat something when their body is really just thirsty. And this is because while you're sleeping, your body is doing millions upon millions of processes of detoxification, assimilation, and working to eliminate these things from your system. But a little known fact is that your body will essentially hold on to this Every process in your body that I just described is happening in a water medium. So that water is getting pretty murky and nasty. And to flush it out, basically a, an internal oil change, you need to bring in a nice dose of fresh, clean water. And your body will preferentially choose that clean, new water and flush out all those metabolic wastes. When you do that first thing in the morning, not only are you getting that benefit, you're also providing hydration for your brain your tissues, your endocrine system, your nervous system, all of those things are operating in a water medium. And plus, get this, I just shared a study recently which blew my mind, and it's something called uh, water-induced thermogenesis. So basically, when you drink a certain amount of water, it's approximately 17 ounces of water at one time, just room temperature water, you're going to get around a 30% increase in your metabolism instantly. Your metabolism is going to kick up a notch simply from drinking water, all right? And what that looks like is you're gonna burn an extra, you know, 100 plus calories a day simply from drinking water because your body has to work to warm that water up internally. And I'm saying room temperature because there are some experts that say drinking water that's too cold can kind of gum it up a little bit and shock your system. There isn't really clear data on that. So I just like to err on the side of caution. Simple room temperature water, 
and your body working to warm that up from, and that's approximately around, we'll say 70 degrees, up to 98.6 degrees of your body temperature, it's going to start burning more calories and turning up your metabolism. You get all that. Yeah, you, would think, you mentioned the, the cold water. I've heard that before too, is that you don't want to take cold water. And I don't know where the research is around that, but you would think that if the body has to work that hard to warm up the room temperature water, 70 degrees and 98.6, it would have to work even harder to take a chilled 40 degree, you know, bottle of water. I wonder why that is. I wonder why the body doesn't have to work harder and you burn even more calories. You have more benefit from a cold bottle of water or what the studies are on that out there. That's the thing. There aren't really studies on that as far as drinking water colder. And it's a lot more anecdotal information. And I believe me, I've looked and looked. And so, you know, I would encourage people maybe even drink the water a little bit colder, but just kind of logically thinking some of the impact that it could have internally. External water submersion is great for you. You know, you get these cold shock protein response. And I'm sure some of that benefit happens from drinking cold water as well. So I don't want to scare people off from drinking that. It's not that. Sure, it's just sure. there isn't solid data on what the problem is. But a lot of experts say there is a problem. And I'm one of the people like, I want to see the data. I want to see the science before I promote or demote whatever that thing is. Right. So that's the non-negotiable for me. Uh, one of them. Another one is, oh, man, today I really needed this, you know, just with all the stuff that's going on, is having a practice of gratitude. You know, you probably, a lot of people hear this a lot regularly, but again, me being so analytical and a scientist, there has to be some efficacy to it for me to do it. And what it is, it's an instant cure for self-doubt. It's an instant cure for sadness. It's an instant cure for regret. It's an instant cure for confusion. You know, when you start to think about all the things that you're grateful for in your life, you know, maybe even just the top three things you're grateful for, you can't really simultaneously feel grateful and upset at the same time. Right, right. You know, and so like really tuning in and, and being grateful for my wife or grateful for my kids, grateful for the impact that the Model Health Show is having or that the book is having and all the different stories. And I, you know, my wife has this practice that she's been doing for a while now of sending me over at least just one thank you note a day because, you know, we get a lot of different emails so that I can just sit with that. And I, you mentioned this to me before the show, you know, these are the small things that ensure that I don't get jaded and that I stay grounded in my mission and why this all matters. Because the day to day of trying to build something exceptional, you can get caught up in that and miss the point of why you're doing it. Absolutely. And so that's a, another non-negotiable for me. And uh, I'll just kind of, oh, Last thing, really and, quick and not is, to cut you off there, but I would say about the whole gratitude thing, you know, you think back years ago, I mean, gratitude's been around forever, right? This is nothing new under the sun, but you didn't hear people in every form of media, TV, radio, podcasts, internet, whatever, talking about gratitude like you hear it today. It's, in my opinion, it's this underutilized resource for all the reasons you just mentioned. But I think whenever it started first surfacing, this has been my experience, when it first started surfacing, people thought, oh, well, yeah, of course. Like, of course we should be grateful for things, right? Now it's thrown around so much. And I know people that don't even practice it every day, but they still talk about it when they get on podcasts and you know whatever else, because they know it's the thing they should say right. to where now it's just kind of the old hat thing, you know? And so I think you're absolutely right. Doing it for the right reasons, focusing on it. You can also have a, a time carved off for gratitude, write down a few things and it really not even move the emotion or move the needle. I'm glad you're holding to that one because it just kind of shows that you know, it really does mean what it's supposed to mean. And, uh, and more and more people need to really tap into it the right way, I believe. Absolutely. You know, 
from the science perspective, it changes your biochemistry immediately, you know, and our feeling, our thoughts and our emotions are very powerful. And just a stressful thought, if you hold a stressful thought of something that's maybe negative happening in your life right now, it immediately, you start to release different neurotransmitters and hormones just from that. Yeah. Right. And we can do the same thing in a positive aspect. We can literally shift it just like that. But for most of us, we're asleep to that fact that we can actually dictate how we feel because we're so external. We're so caught up in what's going on around us and forget and being at the mercy of what's happening around us instead of coming from the inside out, which many of the greats that we talk about today, that's where they lived. And it's a practice. It's a yeah. practice. It's not something the quote enlightened individuals. That's where they live. There are very few people who just do that automatically. It's a continuous practice. And so that's one side. And then the last non-negotiable would definitely be some kind of exercise movement. Definitely a big part of my life. No matter where I'm at, I'm going to do something, especially to start my day because of the benefits. And there was a study done at Appalachian State University that I like to share with people that found that morning exercisers, as compared to people exercising in the afternoon and evening, spend more time in the deepest, most anabolic stages of sleep. They get more efficient sleep cycles and exercise in the morning results in an average of about 25% greater drop in your blood pressure at night compared to working out at other times. And it's not saying to not work out at other times. It's just getting that morning exercise in really helps to set you up for better sleep at night because it does what I call a cortisol reset and helping to get your cortisol rhythm on track to start your day. So every single day, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I do, I'm going to get at least you know, five minutes of exercise in to start my day. What I wanted to share with the listeners today is I haven't even shared this with you, Emilio. I've been on this path of really just trying to get myself fixed from a, I guess what I'm realizing now, just more of a hormonal level, which you have to be really careful because once you start jacking with your hormones, you know, they could be out of whack, but you could sabotage them even more if you start doing the wrong things. You guys have probably all been on planes before and opened up this is where I saw it. You open up Sky Magazine or, you know, whatever's there, whatever airline you're flying, and you see the old guy that's like 45 years old, kind of out of shape, whatever. And then it shows the picture of him at like 55 or 60, and he's just all ripped up, you know, and he's anti-aging and <laughs> those sort of things. Well, the one that I typically see is Dr. Rosenthal that's here in Dallas. I never, never knew he was here in Dallas, so I start getting some consultation from people about mood and energy and just feeling like just, man, things are out of whack. I can't get this fixed. I've got brain fog all the time. I've tried things. Mm. And so I get pointed down in that direction, not really knowing what to expect. And there's some things that I've been taking lately. And I just want to preface all of this. You guys know Emilio and I are not doctors. This is our disclaimer. Check with your physician on everything before you do this, just exactly as I did. But I'm taking this advice from someone that's trained in this area. And there are four things that I've started taking lately that are a little bit new to my regimen each day that I wasn't doing before. And the first one, probably the one you want to be the most careful with is DHEA. I'll go into that in just in a moment, but that's a huge building block for testosterone. What we discovered was my testosterone levels were through the floor, mm. which I could have told you that. I just did not fix it. My cortisol levels were through the roof. My DHEA mm. was super low. And what we want to start doing, guys, instead of taking testosterone, because you can really, you know, if you start supplementing it the wrong way and going to these low T centers and things like that, maybe some of you have had experience with that and it's been okay. But for most people, they could really screw something up. We want to try to put in the building blocks of the testosterone first. So DHEA is a huge precursor for building up your testosterone and getting your hormones back in line with where, you know, really where they should be. The second thing that I started taking was a supplement, Tonkat Ali, which some people take that for more like increased libido and sexual drive and things like that. 
mine again was more for the precursor of building up that testosterone. Are you sure, Jerry? And then I, well, <laughs> <laughs> is there, are you sure? Well, that <laughs> actually, yeah, busted. Yeah. But then also I started taking a, and these are all natural non-habit forming for any of you guys that go and, and look at this out there. But Emilio, you'll be really familiar with this. We've talked about this before, but glutathione, just to try to really just flush out some of the bad stuff in my system. And I don't know if that's mm -hmm. so much of what's been making me feel as well and building up, you know, that's not going to be a testosterone booster, but it's just something that I've added in that's been really good. And then the fourth thing is this company called Now, N-O-W, but they've got a supplement called Now Energy, and it's pretty amazing. There's a ton of stuff in there, but let me break these down really quickly for you guys. If you've been feeling like crap, if you've been moody, if you've been irritated, if you've been tired, if you've been in brain fog, you're working out, you're trying to eat well, you're trying to do all of the, some of the biohacking stuff, you're trying to get sleep and nothing is really helping. Guys, it could be a huge hormonal imbalance. And that's what I found with me. I can't, I mean, I could just literally get emotional with how many years have gone by that I didn't know exactly what was going on. And now I've been doing this for probably four months, five months, somewhere in there, maybe even longer. And I just can't tell you, I mean, people are telling me like, man, you're different. Your mood is different. You're smiling a lot more all the time. You don't seem as serious and focused. And the truth is I'm even more focused now than I was before. But my outward appearance is showing that I'm rejuvenated and I'm younger and, you know, feel younger and those sort of things. Tons of energy every day. But, you know, your body makes DHEA as it is. It's a naturally occurring hormone that can convert to testosterone, as I mentioned, or estrogen for the women out there. And it was originally marketed like way back when you guys may read some stuff out there about it being an anti-aging supplement. But now most, you know, people who are you know, really tapped into this, they're using it as more of a testosterone booster, a hormone booster, and a few other things that we'll probably get into here in a second. But I would just tell you guys, be careful with it. Again, consult a physician, consult a functional medicine doctor, somebody that's going to really know how this stuff works. And there's really cool effects of DHEA if you use it the right way. Start small. You know, about 200 milligrams a day or so is what maybe you should start with, is what was recommended for me. But if you really just start looking at the research, there is a ton of proof out there that if testosterone levels are a little bit low, this is going to help really start boosting that up. And that's where I would start for you guys. Just try it. See if it makes you feel better after two weeks of taking it. I thought maybe it was placebo effect and uh, told the doctor that. And he's like, nope, not a placebo <laughs> effect. And you're going to start realizing the longer you take it, the more youthful and vibrant you feel. If you're someone that tends to be really edgy already, you don't have a testosterone issue, you know, the biggest thing is to get tested for that. Do some blood work and get tested just like I did. That's how we discovered it. If you're somebody that has an overproduction of testosterone, which would probably be the minority of people out there, probably not a good thing for you. You don't really need to boost that up. So don't listen to my advice here and then just go start taking something. It could be something different for right. you as to why you feel bad. Tonkat right. Ali, again, that's going to be used in testosterone boosting as a supplement there. And again... The supplement I've been using is by now, company N-O-W, but it's actually a funny name. It's called Testo Jack 300. I was like, what in the world wow. is this whenever I picked it up? But all it is, is just, I don't know, I guess it's just a marketing name, but they market mm -hmm. it that way. It's just Tonkat Ali, 300 milligrams Tonkat Ali. I pop a couple of those every day. And again, that's just going to be a precursor or a building block. And so the benefits of Tonkat Ali, besides boosting libido, as we mentioned, mm -hmm is going to be, they use it in sometimes in uh, heavy doses in cancer treatment. It's a huge stress reliever and it's anxiety remedy. And then overall, just the testosterone booster, as we mentioned. So a couple of things that I've noticed on mine is you get a little bit of uh, increased metabolic body heat. I feel like I'm a little warmer on that, but the doctor told me just drink a lot of water, just up your water intake and you won't feel those kind of hot flashes during the day. I've certainly noticed that to be true. 
For some mm. people, if you don't take it in the morning, they've reported insomnia because it does. It gives you a big kick of testosterone uh, after you've been taking it a little while. It gets those levels raised, so it may be a little bit harder to sleep. So don't take it at night. Take it early in the morning. And again, if you've got really high levels of testosterone, neither one of these are going to be really good for you guys. But using it in the right way is going to be awesome. And then the glutathione, which I use Bulletproof's glutathione, which now they've even got a more upgraded and improved. It's five times better than what it was before, just based on the formula that they've worked with. Mm-hmm. But it's a huge antioxidant, and we're deficient in that. D3 and glutathione for most of us, you know, it's used in um, oxidation reduction and reactions in your cells. And it really, you know, your body produces it, as I mentioned, but we just don't make enough to counteract the modern factors that we're running into out there, such as harmful chemicals and certain pharmaceutical drugs or toxins or just stuff in our water or mold, those sort of things. And so this is going to help flush out your system, guys. It's going to be a huge detox along with the activated charcoal, the coconut charcoals we mentioned last time. But I pop this in the morning before I start my day, whereas I use the charcoal as needed if I'm eating a bad meal or having drinks or, you know, doing whatever. And so the fourth thing, let's kind of wrap this up here, is like I mentioned, the now energy. That's all it says. Now energy on the front. And guys, I don't know that I'm always testing stacks. I'm always looking for things out there that are going to help me feel good. I don't know that I have found a stack that even compares to this when it comes to just a, um, you know, over-the-counter, all-natural, non-habit-forming type thing. But listen to this, Amelia. Listen to what all is in this thing. You just pop two capsules a day. And these are pretty high levels in this that you have for your daily values. But there's vitamin E, vitamin B1, riboflavin, niacin, vitamin B6 and B12, vitamin B5, iodine, which we all need, another detoxifier out there. There's potassium in there. There's green tea extract. There's rhodiola. There's go-to-cola. There's alpha-lipoic acid. There's CoQ10 and three or four other things that are in there. But it's a awesome stack that they've put together. And I'll tell you, I don't pound the caffeine as much. You know, I'm using the human charger in the mornings just to kind of get me alert and up. But I don't have those afternoon crashes anymore. I don't have to pound the caffeine. I'm not trying to hit energy drinks. I'm not doing whatever like I've done, you know, in years past. This is just an awesome stack. So I would say for you guys that are checking this out. And then the DHEA, I don't necessarily use the Now brand, but I know they have one. And I would say, you know, I'm using what my doctor had recommended to me, which is also just an over-the-counter. It's not anything, you know, specific. But I would say that company is a well-trusted company that you guys can go check that out on as well. But I would say build those into your regimen. If you're not doing anything vitamin wise right now, build those in and do it for a couple of weeks. You can't just do it one or two days, do it for a couple of weeks and just see if you have more mental clarity, see if you feel better, if you're more positive, if you've got a smile on your face more, if you feel like you have a ton more energy and then the glutathione is just going to help, you know, carry a lot of the junk out as you're detoxifying. But I'm preparing to do an episode on, um, you know, one of the episodes coming up, just kind of a special one-off episode. I've had so many people ask lately, what is in my regimen, what I take each day? It's a little bit confusing because they hear me mention certain things. Jared, how are you actually doing it? How are you building this into your life? So I want to do just a whole episode just on that. So be on the lookout, guys. That's going to be coming up soon to where I tell you how to put all of this together. And again, it can sound a little confusing or it can sound a little bit, you know, over the top. But once you realize how you can build this in throughout the day, some in the evening, some in the morning, and then all the other things that we're talking about here as far as breath work and being aware and those sort of things. Uh, once you put it all together, it's really not that big of a deal and you just build it in as habit. So I want to bring that to you guys soon. The big takeaway keywords here is biological rhythms. And that is everything to your life and to our existence here on the planet. 
as crazy as it sounds, we're actually a part of nature. And so your body is constantly trying to be in sync with the dernal patterns of what's happening on the planet. And with that said, so isn't that fascinating? You know, like what if we can package up ideas like that, that are clinically proven and give those to people like, hey, get at least five minutes exercise in in the morning. That's going to help to improve your sleep quality. It's right. such, that's why it was a mandate for me to put the book together with a bunch of strategies like that. Again, all clinically proven, backed by sound science, but it really goes back to how we're designed. You know, we're, we have this innate intelligence. Humans evolved. We're not nocturnal creatures. We do not function very well in pitch black. The lion can see you, but you can't see it. All right. So that <laughs> reverses the whole thing of like, you're the top organism on the planet. It's during the daytime. Our senses are really set up for that, you know, and that's where we've evolved like this when we do our hunting and gathering, our teaching, our sharing of, of sh stories and play and things like that, uh, really integrating and building society until we had the invention of light, you know, and the light bulb. And we did have fire for a long, long time. Right. But again, that was more of kind of a safety mechanism, something we use for food, something we use for uh, gathering, st sharing stories in the evening. But people are not generally out running around in the darkness through our evolution with, you know, trying to carry a torch. That's not right. how it worked. So with that said, with things changing with our biological rhythms and understanding how we're set up that way, our cortisol, it's called a cortisol rhythm, is supposed to be naturally elevated first thing in the morning because we evolved that way because cortisol helps you to get up and get going and to get active. And that's not a bad thing. Cortisol is not a bad guy. It's just when it's produced in the wrong amounts and at the wrong time. Now, if you look at a normal cortisol rhythm, and I have a chart of, for this in the book, or you can just go to Dr. Google and look one up, but your cortisol spikes in the morning between around 6 and 8 a.m., then it gradually declines and bottoms out in the evening. Clinically, we would call people who had these chronic sleep issues, when we look at their cortisol rhythm, as tired and wired. And their cortisol would be flipped. So it'd be too low in the morning where they had an incredibly difficult time peeling themselves out of bed. And in the evening, they just feel like they're wide awake because their cortisol is too high. And so employing some of the strategies that we have in the book, not everybody had to do everything, just small things were able to reverse that and get their cortisol back on track. So that's one of the reasons exercise is so valuable is it resets that cortisol rhythm by getting a, a cortisol spike and kind of putting it back on track with meditation. Uh, and this is a big headline as well to take away from today is a great night of sleep starts the moment you wake up in the morning, right? A great night of sleep starts the moment you wake up in the morning right? because of the biological rhythms. So the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, very prestigious, looked at uh, several studies on meditation. And one of them found that just a short, med and this was, I believe it was eight weeks. It was an eight week meditation program, helped them improve every single marker of sleep and sleep quality for people with insomnia, all right? And this was doing meditation in the morning. And there are many forms of meditation. There's mindfulness meditation, there's breathing meditations, there's uh, guided meditations. There's all kinds of different things that you can employ. There's apps for meditation today. But the important part is just taking advantage of it. And so what it does is it really helps to kind of reset and help you to modulate between your parasympathetic nervous system, which is this kind of quote, fight or flight nervous system, and immediately activate your parasympathetic nervous system. So you have the sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight. Parasympathetic is known as the quote, rest and digest system. 
And you can immediately turn that on and basically soothe the body and um, by employing some meditation or just simple breathing exercises. So it's really that simple. How about fasting? I haven't heard you talk a lot. Maybe lately, I'm sure you've talked a lot about it, but I haven't heard it about fasting. And even if you're not, you know, one of these hardcore fasting guys where you're constantly trying to get in a state of ketosis or getting to that level, are you a fan of doing some form of fasting as far as the benefits? And do you incorporate some sort of a regular fasting routine is, again, grabbing that steering wheel and really controlling what you can control? Wow. Great, great question. One of the things that has made my show, I believe in my heart that this is one of the reasons is that just sharing things that I've actually had a, a deep experience with, you know, and I've done probably 30 different kind of structured fasts over the years, you know, whether it's like a 21 day juice fast or, you know, a two to three day water fast or uh, intermittent fasting for a year, you know, like I get in and I actually see what this stuff does. And some things have not ended pretty, you know, like I've, I've definitely had some problems happen along the way, but I've gained a very right. comprehensive understanding. And so I'm absolutely a fan of intelligent fasting and more, more specifically, intermittent fasting and not for everybody and not for all the time. Right. But this can be something that's very simple that pretty much we all kind of set up a, a process for in our lives. One of the big reasons for that, number one that jumps to mind is brain-derived neurotropic factor, right? Brain-derived neurotropic factor, BDNF. Right, and right. this is something that gets produced in your body after a very short stint of fasting. And it's what it is, number one, it's neuroprotective, right? So this helps to protect your brain and your brain cells. And deficiencies on these things are seen correlated with Alzheimer's, dementia, Right? So we can keep our brains younger and healthier longer when we allow our body to produce more of this compound. And there are many other things that we can dive in and talk about, but I want to go back and actually break down. So what does this look like? Well, an intermittent fast can simply be, you know, you, you're finished eating dinner at 7 p.m. and you don't eat again till the next day at 7 a.m. in the morning. That's a 12 hour fast. Right. You're going to get a nice spike in brain derived neurotropic factor after maybe even nine or 10 hours of fasting, right? So sleep cuts out a big chunk of that. And that's something a lot of people can add in as long as you're not like sleeping with an IV hooked up to like a banana juice or something. It's just <laughs> keep pumping, pumping uh, glucose into your body. So you're gonna get that benefit. Also, there is an intrinsic shift in your body's energy expenditure to detoxification and elimination. So, so many of us are, we just, constantly consuming breakfast is pushing lunch is pushing dinner breakfast is pushing lunch is pushing dinner is pushing breakfast is pushing lunch pushing dinner and your system never really gets a chance to do some deeper uh, house cleaning you know whether it's for your liver whether it's for your kidneys because it's constantly processing and so this is a big kind of aha moment for everybody as well every single day of your life the majority of energy your body uses is to digest the food you eat all right, so all the energy that we want to have to crush it in our lives and accomplish our goals, to spend time with our kids and to do all this stuff and have energy to do it, most of it's used to, to turn food into you. It's a right. very expensive process. Like that pizza becomes like 
your nipple or something like that, right? So when you're right, looking right. at a food, it's actually going to become a part of you. I don't know. I guess maybe it's the pepperoni I was picturing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, man, next time I have a pizza, I hope that doesn't stick in my mind like something's here on my brain. So this is really important for us to understand that we have to be more aware of the fact that this is an expensive process. And we want to eat foods that really jive with our system so that we are assimilating better but also give our body time so that it can be free of that process to use energy for other things, right? So that's another big reason. And this is why, you know, uh, fasting has been a part of certain anti-cancer protocols, right? Because your body, right. your immune system, macrophages, things like that, using energy to try to break down cancer cells is constantly being siphoned to digest like all of these triple cheeseburgers or whatever the case might be, you know? So this is why changes and things like that can be so beneficial for people struggling with conditions like that. And we, you know, we've done shows dedicated to that topic specifically, which we won't get in here today because it's such a big, big topic, but there's a lot of incredible data, clinical research out there for treatments like that, that involve things like fasting. And so that's why I employ it on a pretty consistent basis. So for me, it might be done eating again, 7.30, and I probably won't, the first thing that I usually have every day is going to be some kind of a, uh, an elixir, right? Like I love these uh, medicinal mushroom teas and things, again, have been yeah. used for thousands of years, not magic mushrooms, right? Medicinal sure. mushrooms uh, with some healthy fats. And uh, I generally have that around 7.30. So it's probably around, you know, 11 or 12 hour fast for me for most days. But when I was doing the intermittent fasting experiment, I wouldn't eat anything until maybe around 10 o'clock and I wouldn't even have the um, my elixir either. Right. So you know, and that was, it was tough in the beginning, but then my body got adjusted to it, but I found that I lost a lot of weight. That's another big key here. Last thing I'll mention is the weight loss can be exceptional for people, like really, really exceptional, mainly for men though. I have to point that out for women. Right. This right. is something where it's a case to case basis because your body and your hormones are operating differently, but women can achieve a really nice change in their body composition, weight loss by employing some of the principles of intermittent fasting, but not as stringent. Sean, thanks so much for your time here today. I mean, one of the things I knew I would be frustrated by is by the time we got to the end of this thing, it'd just still be, you know, so many things I'd love to pick your brain on, but we can only have so much time in a podcast. Where can we steer more listeners your way? I just want to get a big emphasis on people going and, and downloading your knowledge because you put out so much great stuff. And people who know me, they know I test everything, kind of like the scientist in you. If I'm saying it, I've probably researched it a lot. You better take it to the bank. And uh, guys listening in out there, you got to go tune in. Number one health podcast on iTunes. I mean, it's just amazing. I, I don't know if you have ever saw that coming or if you've just been blown away by the success it's had. But the Model Health Show, Sean Stevenson, it's just had a tremendous impact on people out there. And I just want to point all of our listeners over there to your uh, show and to your book, Sleep Smarter, because it just had such a big impact on me during a time where a lot of this stuff we're talking about today was really taking a huge and had been taking a toll on my system for a while, but you don't see it right at first. Yeah. And you've been awesome in, in your help with that. And that's why I wanted to get you on. Oh man, it's totally my pleasure. And that means everything to me. And I definitely, you know, I, I felt that the Model Health Show was going to help a lot of people. I just, I really didn't, I, my vision was kind of small. It was too small at the time. I had no idea just how big it would get. And it's because people are looking for what's real, you know, and also you know, I love this statement that, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and imbuing care and real dedication into the work 
to be of service, you know? And so that's what we really package into the show. And every single episode is a masterclass on the subject matter. So whether we're talking about water and hydration, whether we're talking about reversing type two diabetes, whether we're talking about intermittent fasting, cryotherapy, you know, fat loss, we've got some incredible mind blowing shows on fat loss that, you know, I've get messages, people lose 75 pounds, a hundred pounds, or, you know, basic, you know, lowering their body fat to that magic number they're trying to get, but without all the drama, right? I, right, I don't, right. I feel that suffering does not equal health. You know, right. like those two things do not go together for me. And so uh, that's really why we do what we do. And so, like you said, anywhere that people are listening to this amazing podcast that you've put together, they could find the Model Health Show there as well, or they could check us out online at themodelhealthshow.com. I think you've just been so successful because of all the energy that Jade brings to the show. That's probably <laughs> what it is, right? <laughs> that's the secret sauce, I guess. Right. Well, man, thanks so much for your time here and much, much, much uh, success. Uh, we wish your way as this thing continues and who knows where you're going to go with it, but just continue to do what you're doing. And what an awesome thing for podcasts, you know, nowadays, just, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that are not doing, you know, the favor of helping a ton of people. So what you do really sets apart. Um, and, and what I'm aiming to do on the show really sets us apart from other people that uh, people can take a lot away from it. So mm. thanks so much for your time, guys, go check out the book. I'll link everything up in show notes and uh, thanks so much, Sean Stevenson. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Guys, as I mentioned, I enjoyed having my good friend Sean Stevenson on the Success 101 podcast and hope you took a ton away from his episode about how we can be more well-rounded and more educated about our health, biohacking issues, and how to just feel better on our route to peak performance. If you would like to connect with my team and I, the best way to do that is by email on info at success101podcast.com or in the world of social media on the Success 101 Facebook page or on Instagram under the name at Success 101 Podcast. I had a great time in this episode with Sean, and I'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode of the Success 101 Podcast. Until then.